Hey everyone, welcome to the Habitation Podcast. We are so happy that you joined us today. Uh, we have an amazing guest uh, on with us. We have Banning Leecher with us. I'm super honored. Uh, personally, has had a great impact on my life. Uh, thank you so much, Banning, for being with us today. Absolutely, William. Great to be with you. Love what you guys are doing. I don't just say that because I'm you. on the podcast. I think you have to as a guest say that, but I really actually right, mean right. that. <laughs> love, what you, love what you guys are doing, what you're champion, championing, what you're leading in. Just it's yeah. phenomenal. So well done. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, we appreciate it. You guys have clearly had an impact on us. I had the chance to be with Banning. Um, gosh, seems like not long ago, but I think that was about three or four months ago. And see what you guys are doing in Sacramento. It's beautiful. I have so many questions, so many things I want to learn. Um, and so I'm excited to dive into this. But before we do, could you just tell our audience, our viewers, uh, just a little bit, maybe about yourself, maybe how you got saved and where you started? Um, clearly Bethel, but but I'd love for them to hear it from you. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, born and raised in Redding, California. Uh, probably if you know Bethel at all, I'm probably one of three people that are actually at that church that were born and raised in Reading. Uh, but I was born and raised in Reading, grew up really conservative Baptist, pretty legalistic Baptist. So, I mean, there's, you know, mm. uh, uh, not all Baptists are legalistic at the level we were, but, um, so grew up pretty conservative in that realm, you know, uh, get, you know, gifts, charismatic gifts of the spirit, those things, they weren't just not around, they were demonic, you know, in our opinion. Wow. And then uh, I, we started attending a church, uh, Bethel. This was before Bill was there. Started attending a church when I was um, 17. And, um, and man, just kind of loved the youth group and loved the life that was happening. Some of the charismatic stuff was weird. Just the raising of hands, the singing of a song after wow. they were already done with the song. A guy that stood up and spoke in tongues. I, I didn't know why this guy was <laughs> speaking in Spanish in the middle of the service. And then, um, but really loved the youth group. And then just, you know, one one night went forward in response to a, a message, not a salvation message, just a message just to get prayer and just kind of went all in for God uh, when I was right before my senior year. And uh, that just, I just, that started a journey of, I knew I wanted to preach and you know, and then uh, I, I and then I came. I became. I went to school for a year. Came back to do an internship at Bethel, and when I came back to do an internship at Bethel, Bill came when I was an intern. Renewal came. My eyes got open to the concept of revival. We wow. were encountering God at just profound levels during. This was '95, so this is you know right when Toronto had broke out. Wow. And I uh, just encountered the Lord and met my, was going to be wife. And so then was on staff for 18 years at Bethel. And then uh, nine years ago, picked up our team that had formed with Jesus Culture and uh, moved to the Sacramento area and planted a church eight years ago. So that's kind of our journey. Wow. So you experienced then Bethel, uh, like when Bill came in and everything kind of got shaken up. Ooh, I was there. I was there from the beginning. It was a real gift wow. actually to be able to have I didn't know kind of that. a front row. Like people know Bethel as it is now, which is yeah. um, a massive school, worldwide influence, Bethel music, Bill's the man. But, you know, we were there when, when Bill had just come from a little community of 3,000 people. I don't know how big his church was, a church of 150 people. And he had yeah. come. And I was there so when... Crazy. 
I was there when everybody left. I was there when they were having to hold our paychecks because because wow. they had to wait till we took an offering on Sunday. I was there when we went from two services to one service on a Sunday morning because we were sitting in staff going, both services aren't even full. Like why? And I mean, the, the, the sanctuary only held, holds 900. And uh, I remember being in a staff meeting going, why, why are we doing two services? They're not even half full each. And us going to one service on a Sunday morning because so many people had left because of renewal. Wow. And um, yeah, I was there in all those days and in the school growing and, and, and all that stuff. In fact, Bethel, what's interesting about Bethel, I don't know if this we're supposed to talk about your podcast, is people no, would know I, Bethel I it. as it's organized now. So Bethel has yeah. resources, it has a school, it's got music, it's got events. But for the first five years of Bethel, it was just some meetings. <laughs> I, I It was, there was not a lot of organization around it. And uh, Bill, we would wow. just be hosting meetings. It wasn't like nightly meetings, but that was kind of it. There wasn't much else going on. There wasn't like a lot of like, structure and and a lot of like hmm. uh, marketing or or strategy if that makes sense the, it was completely just around we're gonna host the presence of god and uh so people not everybody would would know it back then but it was a real gift to be able to be there during that time wow well that's super encouraging to me i think it's the lord you said that because i feel like as a community with risen nation we're uh we're there right now where we don't know in many ways i feel like what we're doing we just gather people around his presence and we're learning how to grow in strategies and all those things i think that are necessary but um not built on his presence you know why are we building it so that's yeah. so yeah so encouraging uh thanks for yeah. sharing that but something i was thinking about is something i've heard you talk about so much that i love for you to talk to us a little bit about and i guess in part you experienced it um at Bethel with kind of like its own revival in a sense that kind of reformed everything, like brought a reformation to that church that has impacted now the whole world. What God has done through you guys at Jesus Culture is unbelievable, especially when you were so young. Um, so in, I know that revival is something that, that burns within your heart with what's going on right now at Asbury College, which is our university. That's, I mean, I don't know if I've seen something that pure, at least in my lifetime. And I love for you to just kind of talk to us for a minute about revival in our day, what that looks like. Uh, we've got a lot of leaders that watch and I know that leaders are hungry to see a move of God that's going to start in their hearts that ultimately is going to go to their communities. And so talk to us a little bit about what you believe revival in our day uh, looks like, especially in the context of local church. Yeah, it's interesting the Asbury thing, which is so beautiful, but uh, I, I'm actually so grateful that the early days for us had no social media. I, oh, yeah. I, I just think what, like God's doing such a beautiful thing and now everybody's caught up in commentary on it. And, um, mm. and it's interesting to me, this may be a side note, but we're, we're, people are arguing about, is it revival? Is it not revival? Listen, I'm the biggest revival preacher you'll find, right? It's going to be in every message I have. I'm talking about revival. Yeah. Our slogan is revival in our day. Uh, my mission is mobilizing a generation for revival. But the reality is, is the word revival is not even in the Bible. And so, but I mean, I mean the, the concept is, the principle is, mm. you can see it. But we've still, I preach revival because I've put a definition around what I mean by that. 
But everybody's yeah. arguing like, is this revival? Is this not revival? Is this, you know, it's only revival, it's this. And it's just fascinating to me that at the end of the day, I'm like, if God is there and awakening the hearts of people, I just think we should celebrate. And anyways, yeah. for, for me, revival would be this. My definition of revival would be around that that it, it's a move it's a move of the Spirit of God marked by the presence and power of God that awakens the hearts of believers with a greater passion for Jesus and a deeper commitment to the cause of Christ in yeah. the earth where the lost are saved and culture is transformed. And then I would throw in there a greater passion for holiness would be in that definition as well. So for me— that concept of a move of the Holy Spirit that mar that's marked by his presence and power that stirs a fresh hunger, a fresh intimacy, a fresh passion for holiness that ultimately um, moves believers to a greater commitment to his cause in the earth, the lost, yeah. the poor, uh, the, the sick, the dying, that type of thing. That, that the reason why the local church is so important for me is I believe the local church is the vehicle through which this flows. Yeah. And some people yeah. may disagree with me on this. And I think that we have to come up with our definition of church too. I think we're throwing around words like revival and words like church, and we haven't really actually worked through that type of stuff. But, um, but for me, the local church is such a, a key component to what God wants to do in the earth in revival, in a move of the Holy Spirit yeah. that awakens believers and sees the lost saved and culture transformed. So for me, I think we just have to, I, I think if you're going to be talking about revival, you have to work through what you mean by that. I think if you're going to be talking about the church, you have to work through what you mean by that. I mean, when we started, when, when people are going online and like the next wave of church is online, I'm like, I disagree with that adamantly. Yeah, same. Yeah. Uh, be, because my understanding of what church is, when people throw out phrases like, well, wherever I am, that's church. And I'm like, well, no, I mean, wherever you are, the body of Christ is. But wherever you are doesn't mean that's where the ecclesia of God is. And and like where, where two or three are gathered, I'm like, well, again, that's also not really the, the meaning of that verse where if just two people hang out in an apartment, that's, that's the actual church. That's the body of Christ in the earth. But the church is a little bit has a little bit more structure. The actual gathering of the saints. I mean, there's a reason why there's the fivefold ministry. There's a reason why there's uh, uh, talking about elders and deacons and how you do discipline. Like these are structural things that are in place. Yeah. And so the thought that like somebody can just log on to a computer and be a part of an ecclesia of people that are walking together, doing life together, being shepherded together. It's just not accurate. So, William, listen, you're asking me a question that I just I'm going on a rant on, except for this. My heart is burning for revival. I want to see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our day. I believe that what we are looking at in the nation and in the nations cannot be solved apart from God showing yeah, up. We cannot program it. We cannot uh, vote it. We cannot we just cannot somehow move this ball down the field apart from God showing up. I live in California. And if you yeah. think that we're just going to mobilize enough people to vote change, it just doesn't happen. God showing up and capturing the hearts of people and doing the impossible is the only answer 
Now we continue to do things where, you know, we're, we're you know, we're continually, I, I have no problem people being in politics and seeking change in that category. But at the end of the day, we need revival. And then we also yeah, need to well. understand how the local church works in that. And it is God's plan in the earth. The, the, yeah. the ecclesia of God in the earth is how he pours out his spirit. Yeah, I love it. And, and honestly, as a local pastor, it's, it's like water to me listening to what you're saying. Cause, um, you know, I think it's Corey and Mike Bickle that Corey Russell and Mike Bickle, they say this statement about usually when revival is beginning to take place, we just keep talking about the new wine, like the spirit of God. We want the power. And, and of course we want all those things, but if we don't have a wine skin to contain it, um, in many ways it can, it, you know, how do we make it generational? How do we get it to impact our kids? And so, you know, I, I love how you guys pursue family. I love, honestly, when I was down at Jesus Culture, um, just the importance of like today we've got presence churches and word churches and people ask me, are you a presence or word church? I'm like, I don't even know what yes. that means. Hopefully both. <laughs> yes, um, just answer. Yeah, you. yeah. the answer is yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you said a statement to me and, and um, this is why I, I, I wanted to start with that question when we were together. Uh, about the need to be connected to an apostolic mandate that I know you've experienced at Bethel, that now you're carrying on at Jesus Culture, I've experienced in my own life, and and still even as a senior pastor, sit under uh, sit under a mandate that I that I follow with my with my family with my father, um, which I feel like is such a principle that's been lost in our culture. It's a principle that's been lost in the next generation where. You know, you just have these movements sparking and uh, the Lord is using them and they're amazing. But what are we going to actually do to impact our children? And so I wanted you to, ex ex you know, expand a little bit more on that statement. We were talking in terms of worship uh, the last yeah. time we sat down and talked and, you know, just worship movements and, and everything God's doing in the earth, which is good things. Um, how do we actually ha have it bear fruit? in longevity and you said um it's got to be attached to an apostolic mandate would yeah. you talk a little bit into that and i just think it's so important and crucial for us to understand in this hour yeah well maybe i'll tell our story a little bit in this i would probably say again every question you're asking i'm like you're probably going to have to wrestle through the fivefold ministry i think that a lot of people that would have the title pastor which i would i mean they i would say i am the senior pastor of the church but in reality my fivefold is not pastoring and so we've used it as a title of, of you know, re, you know, just like a, a, a title that says you're the leader of a church. But but the apostolic, which which kind of sets mission, establishes kind of the blueprint. Yeah. Connects like when you're just led when you're led by the pastoral, you're going to get very people centric. It's going to be, you know, the needs of the people, how the people are, uh, and that's not bad. The pa I think the pastor is supposed to lean that way, but when the pastoral leads, then it becomes very kind of like about the needs of the people. Let's make sure. The apostolic obviously cares about people, but it's on mission to advance the kingdom of God in the earth. <laughs> like it's on mission yeah. to, to see the kingdom advanced in the earth. And so when there's when when you're disconnected from that 
um, and I don't think every church has to have that in-house necessarily. I think that you can align yourself with that kind of mission somewhere. But for example, yeah. with us, you've got worship. We did worship has always been a massive part of what Jesus culture has done. In fact, I'd say most people listen to this podcast right now. You may not even know who I am. It's the music that you would actually know in regards to Jesus culture. But the but the but the music was never disconnected from the mission. So in other words, we built a whole music label. We still have it. We built a music label. We had worship leaders. We were releasing albums. We were going out on tours. But none of that was to have a music label. None of that was just to release music. None of that was it. All of that was, it was a piece of something bigger that was connected to seeing a generation in revival. And so when, so, so keeping like worship, keeping worship leaders, keeping that type of stuff going Oh no no! This isn't just about you you building a platform. This isn't just about us getting an album out. This is about that album is a piece of something in our movement that's connected to mission to awaken a generation for revival. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. so when when you get disconnected from that, um, you know it it just goes in directions that, that I I see it. You know I see it all the time. I don't want to tell stories on here, but. Uh, but I don't want to expose, but you just see people that they, 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 they were worshiping example. They were connected to a mission, got big, disconnected, and just kind of, yeah. we're now just kind of doing things for themselves. And, and that, and people may have a problem with that. They may say that sounds harsh. I don't, I don't think that everybody has to be at a church the rest of your life. You know, that, I, I believe you have to be at church, but I'm saying, so yeah, I don't even know if that answers it, William. I feel like I'm probably rambling on you, but somehow no, I mean, that thought of like, is what I'm doing connected to a bigger picture of advancing the kingdom? And if I'm not carrying that apostolic anointing, am I connected to an apostolic anointing that has a blueprint and is and and ha- and is kind of leading a tribe on mission? That was Bill. Bill's just up there in Reading, you know, uh, beating a drum. And all of a sudden, people were just saying, "That's man, that resonates with me." Um, yeah. uh, John Wimber, you can just go down the list where leaders and pastors were just recognizing what you are communicating and where you are leading is the tribe that I believe I'm to be a part of, and that together we are going to advance the kingdom in the earth. Yeah, come on. I mean, for me, this principle of um, you know, sitting under it's, it's the Psalms 133 example. It's how beautiful and pleasant it is when brethren dwell in unity. It's like the oil upon the head of Aaron down to the garment. And I love at the end of the verse and it says, and there speaking of the bottom is where I command my blessing. And so there is something about being able to come under. I mean, the scriptures also tell us the left hand can't tell the right hand. I have no need of you. And in many ways, that's how we operate. But you know, I don't, I love what you said about like online church and all that, because like, I don't, I don't FaceTime or live stream into my family. I'm, you know, like I want to be a present father. And I think we've gotten off of the church being God's actual body, his family, um, that it's become an organization, uh, more than anything in, in many ways. Um, and so I think it's true. Defining churches is extremely important. I just remember that, you know, we are, doing some different things in worship in our community and i came to see you and 
I think the question was in regards to how did you keep it pure uh, with everything that you know you're seeing happen, not just in the worldly culture, but in church culture today, and 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 just in the West and worship. You know, I'm not trying. This isn't like a podcast to be harsh, but but in many ways we uh, it's become about the object and just like the object of worship rather than actually you know Jesus and ministering to the Lord and loving Him. Um, and so I've, I've been fascinated watching your story. You know, I don't know if many people know this watching, I think it was 2011, right? That was when you had the Chicago awakening. Yeah. Okay. So 2011, I was right out of high school. I remember watching you preach in Chicago and I'll never forget you were talking about, uh, the 10 virgins, five are wise, five are not. Um, and then you also had mentioned, I believe in Matthew 22, and it talks about you know, many are called, but few are chosen. Yeah. And you're, you're, you said you would walk around your college campus and, and say, you know, you were singing more love, more power, which is like one of my favorite songs <laughs> in the world. And, uh, I think we need to bust out some of the old stuff again, personally, Absolutely. But, um, it's just vertical, man. It works, but, uh. but you were walking around this college campus and crying out, God, give me a generation. I remember weeping, watching this video and just thinking to myself, Lord, I, I want to, I want that. Like, I want to burn this way. And so to watch how you've navigated these waters where, you know, Jesus culture music, especially exploded to probably the biggest, um, I think, especially at that time, um, you know, tell leaders, like, what was your process in keeping it pure in keeping your eyes on the Lord and not getting fixated with the growth of it all? Yeah, boy, I don't know. That's a great question. I would say that it was always, we were always on mission for something. So for us, mm. I, I know it, for us, it was never about the worship. The worship was always just up, like God was using that as a catalytic thing. But, yeah. but, um, I don't know, man. I, boy, William, that's a great question. I don't know if I've ever really processed fully that. I think for us, obedience is probably the biggest thing. I just want to do what the Lord's telling us to do. Yeah. I remember that Bill, Bill, I, I sat down with Bill Johnson once and was doing an interview. And I just said, Bill, I was asking him how he walks the tension of wanting to do great things for God, but having that be kind of secondary to intimacy. That that intimacy is the top, but but I want to do great things for God. And he just said, he goes, Banning, I he goes, he just said, Banning, I don't, he goes, I don't wake up every day thinking, I wonder what God can do with my life. He goes, I don't wake up every day thinking I want to do great things for God. He says, I wake up every day just wanting to do my assignment. And if my assignment wow. is to preach in front of thousands, then great. If my assignment is to pastor a small church and we revealed then great, I just want to do my assignment. And I think ultimately, if you can get to a place where obedience birthed out of love, obedience birthed out of intimacy is the highest thing you want. Yeah. So, so in other words, all I want to do is what Jesus is asking of me. Not out of obligation, not out of duty, not because I think that that's how I'm going to get favor with him, but simply because I just want to love him well, and therefore I want to be obedient. 
I, because people looked at us because we were still at kind of the height of what we were doing in, in the worship world, especially, but we were doing conferences all over the world. We were, yeah. we were still filling up places and then we moved and went to do a church and, and, and people were like, dude, why would, like, I can't believe that you would kind of like, like, cause the church was nowhere near guaranteed to be successful. Yeah. And, and I just thought, gosh, I just don't think like that. I don't think like what could be the next super successful thing? How can we continue to grow and capitalize on this moment? I just want to be with the Lord and say, what is it that you want me to do? And when he says, I want you to go plant a church, then we'll go plant a church. This thing I really wrestled with because if, if transparently I have a need for significance, I want to be significant. I don't know if anybody knows the disc test. I'm a high eye. I'm a three on the Enneagram. I want to be significant. I love influence. But at the end of the day, um, I I just want to be obedient and love Jesus. So I remember we were on a bus. This is probably, I don't know, probably around the Chicago time. No, before Chicago. This is probably 2009. And uh, there was some internal strife happening on our team. I didn't know if the thing was going to hold together. I didn't know if Jesus culture was going to be done. We had started really getting invited to places. We were traveling across in Europe and in England. People were coming to our stuff. But they were, made, they were coming for the worship, not for the preaching. And I remember that I'm not sure. I didn't, wasn't sure if we were going to be able to keep the worship together. And I was on a, a tour bus one night by myself in the afternoon, actually, wrestling. Like, I don't know how to describe this. Wrestling through Am I going to be okay if Jesus culture is done? It, it was mm. finally, people were finally showing up to what we were doing. People were knowing who I was. They were knowing the ministry that I was leading. And I was just on the bus, just wrestling, like, would, would I be okay if this all ended today? And I, I, I remember going back to a Mike Bickle sermon that I heard talking about David mm. and him describing success as, I am loved, therefore I'm a lover. And he described David when he was chased out of Absalom, when, when Absalom chased him out of Jerusalem. And he was describing, paraphrasing, but he was like, hey, David's in the wilderness, just writing love songs to God and loving on him. And, and, and the concept that I can love you in the castle or I can love you in the wilderness. I don't care where I'm at. Yeah. My goal yeah. is to love you. So I can love you in the wilderness or love you in the castle. And I remember just telling the Lord, I can love you anywhere. I can love you Mm. pastoring a group of 20 kids in the middle of nowhere at some small church, or I can love you in front of thousands. I just want to love you and I want to be obedient. So when you say, how do you guard that stuff? You have to get to a place in your life where you just flat out say, God, I want to be obedient and I want it to be because I love you. Out of intimacy that I would just say, I just want to obey you. And if you're asking me, to go be a janitor somewhere and just clean toilets, then then that's what I want to do. We have a sense of entitlement, William, where we believe God owes us something. We believe that God owes us our destiny. We believe God owes us our dreams. We believe God owes us our prophetic words. We believe God owes us comfort. We believe God owes us influence. And so we begin to approach God as if he owe God doesn't owe you anything. Come God on. doesn't owe yeah. you anything. You owe him everything. You didn't you didn't die on a cross for him. He died on a cross for you. 
And if he looks yeah. at you and says, okay. this is the part that I have for you to play in the earth right now. Even if you think it's below you or it's not the dream in your heart, you have to get to that place where just intimacy above all else produces a desire for obedience. I just want to do yeah. what you're asking me. So when you say, how do you protect yourself? For us, it was never about, uh, don't, don't get me wrong. I loved when thousands were coming. Like it definitely touched something in my, it, it, like, I mean, it, it was fun and I loved it and, and, and it was exhilarating, but it wasn't the motivating factor. How many people can we get in the room is not the motivating factor. How many albums can we sell is not the motivating factor. I just want to be obedient. That's all. What he yeah. does with it is up to him. So I think you have to get into that spot. William, I'm giving you very, very long answers for your questions. So I don't no, you know. I, I love it. Up. This is <laughs> this is why we do it. I, I wanted you to just come on here and preach. And honestly, I'm, I'm getting choked up a little bit listening to you because it's just it's so beautiful. I mean, Mike, Mike was just with us and he was Bickle and he was talking about how love is the only thing like no one can take from you. Yes. And if you've made it everything, and I've heard you talk about, you know, Moses in the wilderness, he's offered an angel and success, but God says, I won't go. And he's yes. like, I'd rather stay in, I think you say like the wilderness with you than yes. have the promise without you. Um, yes. And, and I can truly say as, you know, and this isn't just because I'm talking to you, I've told other people this. I, when my wife and I first got engaged, one of the first things we did is, um, is we went to a Jesus culture conference. I think it was somewhere in, it was like in LA. <laughs> you were at the, um, I think the Verizon Wireless Center or something. Yeah, totally. Um, and I remember going to that and, and we waited in line for hours. Um, <clears throat> I think Jensen Franklin was there. I mean, it was just powerful. I remember like just thinking to myself, I don't know if I've been in a, in a room like this. So years and years goes by, I, I don't know you, you don't know me. And, and I find myself in your church in a prayer room. And I remember thinking to myself, and I'm not saying, you know, security's bad or if, if you do any of that stuff, but I remember being, uh, when I came to Jesus culture, I, I was, I was floored at how just like normal <laughs> you were. You know, I come from a background in ministry, um, just different. And and the way that you carried yourself, the way that you guys ran your prayer room, it really was just about the Lord. Like whether you were in the stadium with 5,000 people or leading a prayer room at your local church that wasn't like this crazy event. It was people hungry for God. I, I've never... I've never heard your language change. And then you're like, hey, come up here and minister to the people. I'm like, well, I just want to, <laughs> no, I just want to be on my knees. I was so like caught off guard by ge how genuine and not that, you know, I was expecting something different with you, but I can truly say I've, I've never heard the language change. And so this last question is going to be a hard, uh, not a hard one, but it's a, it's a broad question that I know you could go for like hours on and you could do it. Um, but I've I've never heard you change the channel or never seen you change the channel from it's about his presence and leaders watching pastors, whatever area you are in, a mom, stay-at-home mom or a father, like building your life around God's presence and and not changing that channel. 
What does his presence mean to you yeah. in the position that you are in? Let me answer that. Let me say something real quick about what you've said. This is why I think the local church is so important that you're plugged into yeah. the local church because the local church is where it's just real life. Conferences aren't real yeah, life. Traveling's not real life. They're important and they're beautiful and they're needed and we yeah. do them. But but local church is real life. Like this is where you're walking with people. This is where you're in the trenches. This is, I, I mean, I, I don't know when this will air, but but last night on Valentine's Day, I was in a prayer room with 80 people. And we were there <laughs> last night with 80 of us just seeking the Lord because that's what we do on Tuesday nights at our church. And uh, whoever shows up, we're going to get before the Lord. And and there's no fanfare. And it was, you know, we didn't have a drummer. And it was just the worship team up there. But this yeah. is, uh, so I'm not saying I pat myself on the back. I'm saying that's local church. Yeah, like it's, it's not real. me yeah. getting driven to an event that's got all these people and I'm coming with my best, whatever. And I love all that. I really do. And I'm a part of that. But local church keeps you grounded as a leader in a way yeah. that like just here with 80 people loving on Jesus on a Tuesday night yeah. on Valentine's Day because we're just committed to just bringing this gift to the <laughs> Lord. So that's why when I, I'm very concerned about leaders when they get disconnected from the local church because I'm like, you're yeah. getting disconnected from at some level from like, I remember Bill saying this. You asked me a presence question. I'm not answering it, but I will. I remember Bill saying one time, taking out of context a verse, you knowing he did, but he said, you know that verse where it says a prophet has no honor in his hometown? He goes, I think it's supposed to be like yeah. that. He said, I think there's supposed to be a place where you go where not everything coming out of your mouth is the word of the Lord to people. Wow. And I think that there's that, there's just something so grounding about local community. And let me just say local community it's just so grounding. We're not everybody thinks you're the most amazing thing ever. And, yeah. and you know, and, and, and you're the man of God all the time, but that there's just a community of people that you're just kind of doing life with and pressing in and believing God for and, 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 and hitting hard times with, and, and, you know, your flaws are on the display. So I, I think it's really important what you're saying there. And that's why you're like, you're yeah. not different. I'm like, yeah, the local church keeps me that way. The local yeah, church just keeps so me like, even when you came, we're just trying to get a prayer meeting off the ground, you know, After, you know, <laughs> I remember it was, it's kind of anemic and we're just trying yeah. and we're kind of tripping over ourselves. But like, you know, conferences, we've got it dialed in. I'm, we're trying to get a prayer yeah. meeting when you came, especially we're yeah. trying to get a prayer meeting just off the ground. And you're coming face to face with like, not everything I do is amazing. Some of it we're just well, in the church trying to figure it out. As much as I loved the conference, I was more impacted by the prayer room, especially with my upbringing and where I come from. Of, and and I adore my family. My, yeah, of course, my uncles we, absolutely we changed my life. We honor, um, super honor them. But growing up, the definition of success was how many people do you have, um, or were you able to accomplish this? And and so I was always hungry for. I want something like real and we're watching with the young generation is something genuine and authentic and so when i come and i'm like just this you know young guy little guy like i've looked up to you my whole life and then i remember you being on your knees and leaning over to me going what do you think we should do now i'm like at your prayer meeting i'm like what do you mean i don't know i don't know and uh and and that side of you you know i think it's important that people realize like the lord is delivering us from celebrity christianity yes and, 
it's going to be the revelation seven seventeen of the lamb is going to be at the center of everything. Yes. And you know, we need that family yes. aspect. I've, I, I will put you on blast. I've invited you a couple of times to our church <laughs> and his excuse has not been preaching. Your excuse has been your son's basketball games. And oh. honestly, every time I'm like, Standing O, you know, I want to be like that. Guys, I'm wearing um. a Ponderosa basketball because tonight is the first night of playoffs. So Come on. I watch all his highlights, by the way. I show, I'm about them. to post he's, another he's pretty one. Good. I'm about to post another one today. They, uh, yeah, our world shuts down during basketball season. I would say this about the, I, um, I know you asked a question about the presence, but I, th- I remember the Lord one time. I think we need to celebrate. I think sometimes we, we don't celebrate the little things enough. I, I, I think yeah. there are things that move the heart of God that we're unaware of. And I would say this. I think that most things that truly move the heart of God are done in hiding. I think I'm more and more convinced. And so I'll just, we can end with this as well, these two stories. No, it's so but good. I remember I was, we were Tuesday night. Really felt like we were to get a Tuesday night prayer gathering going. We're trying to rebuild our culture from COVID. We lost half our church. Most of our core mm. people moved out of California. Like it, it just decimated our team. So we're trying to reestablish our culture. But in the midst of trying to reestablish our culture, I, I really wanted to see a prayer gathering going. So we start this Tuesday night prayer gathering. And 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 sometimes it's powerful and sometimes it felt like I don't even know what we did. We just stumbled across ourselves for 90 minutes. But I remember one time in the middle of that, the Lord showed me a picture of a, a toddler. And if you're ever around a toddler who's trying to learn how to speak, and they're trying to talk to you. You have no idea what they're saying if you're not their parent. You're like, I don't know what you're asking of me. And they're trying to talk yeah. to you. They're trying to do it. So you call the parent over and say, I don't know what they're trying to say. And the parent listens and the parent goes, oh, they're asking you for water. That's what they want. They want water. And you're like, oh my gosh, how did you even understand that? And and this one, yeah. I felt like the Lord just said, I felt <laughs> like we were that toddler. Just trying to somehow communicate the best we can, trying to figure out how to pray, stumbling across so ourselves beautiful. most of the time. We probably sound like idiots, and the only person that understands us is God. <laughs> but God's like, I know exactly what you're trying to say, and it I yeah, love it. It beautiful. moves my heart what you're saying. So I think sometimes when we're only celebrating the 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 perfect gatherings, the unbelievable articulated oratory of a sermon. The like if we're if we're only celebrating those things, but not celebrating that little prayer meeting that that pastor is trying to start, it's kind of stumbling across itself, and people aren't really. I'm like, I think the Lord's looking at that, going, "Oh, I love that. Oh, I just yeah. love uh-huh. that you're trying to tell me you want water, and nobody else understands your <laughs> language, but I understand it. I know yeah. exactly you're doing. I think that that's so important. And then I'll, we can. I'll just end with this, but I, I remember just just we had when we started the church. It, it really took off. I mean, we're, we're, you know, three hours away from Bethel. I came with like seven famous worship leaders. We had a name. And that's not an exaggeration. We had a name. And so we start the church. It takes off. We're like at three services in this high school theater. And I get yeah. to church one day, powerful Sunday. All three services were full. My message was on point. Worship was great. Transitions went. Everything was good. And in between services, I was talking to this lady. I was out just, just connecting with people. And a lady walks by, said, hey, I've never met you. And she says, hey. And she said, hey, I'm, she, she, goes, she, was going, she was going to our church for a few months. We have a course called Elements, which is like the kind of how to get involved. And she kind of apologetically and sheepishly said, hey, I've only been to one of the Elements course. She said, I have social anxiety, and I feel pretty nervous around people. I've been coming to church, but I just haven't been back to that gathering. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, don't even worry about it. I just love that you're showing up. Well done. Social anxiety, you're still coming. Just loved on her for a minute. Yeah. Took her back, introduced her to some people. I'm driving home that day. And um, after service, three services, full, great word, great worship, great lights, great crowd, great everything. And I'm driving home and I just turn my heart to the Lord. And do you know what he was, you know what he talked to me about? He didn't talk to me about my mm -hmm. sermon. He didn't talk to me about the crowds. He didn't talk to me about the worship. He talked to me about that lady. And he just said, Benny, wow. thank you. He said, thank you for loving on her today. Thank you for taking some time to see her. Thank you for making her feel valued. And, and I realized I, I'm not going to put that on Instagram. I, 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 I didn't tweet about it. We didn't get video of it. But what moved the heart of God that day was something that had been done and hidden that was a, what seemed like a small yeah. thing. My point is, is what you're, when you're describing, see, when you, when you show up to that prayer meeting, and, and, you know, and, and like, boy, this isn't this. I'm like, this is what moves the heart of God, in my opinion. Listen, does he love the big gatherings? Of course. Uh, like, like all yeah. that type of stuff. But I think the Lord's looking at our little prayer meetings that we're trying to start and trying to get off the ground and not quite sure what we're doing. And the lady that we talk to that nobody else knows what's happening with her. And I think it moves his heart. And yeah. I think that's why if we can really attach ourselves to God, what moves your heart then I'm going to celebrate the big gathering, but I'm also going to celebrate that guy that went to lunch with that guy and is just pouring into him. You know, it's yeah. that, and that's yeah. and that's where the local church keeps you grounded in such a beautiful way. It's just story after story after story of those things that don't feel like home runs. They do not feel like home runs. But I just think that Jesus is up there just going, come on. I love yeah, that. So that moves my heart. So I would say that. Yeah, it's so encouraging. The presence. Well, we got like the presence. Well, we got true. five minutes left. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good, perfect answer. Yeah, I, you know, and that's why I think we, our definition of success is really important. I, I always say I believe we're, you know, we're in an hour where God is going to mark communities and families uh, with these three words. God is here. You know, yes. I love. Ezekiel 48 describes this beautiful city. And at the, the last verse of the chapter, it says, in the name of the city will be the Lord is there. Yes, And uh, that's always been your language. It's your pursuit, whether big or small. And we just, we value that. We, we love that about you. So your answer is his presence is everything. We have nothing without him. Yep, that's it. That's why Asbury, when it. people say, is this revival or not in Asbury? Do you know that Elmer, uh, 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 the work that they did, I think they wrote a book on the 20th, century revivals but he just says the definition of revival is this god is present yeah, so, so wow. we can have all these other markers we can have all the other markers about salvations and the poor and, and and those are all important markers but at the end of the day god with us his presence yeah. with us his presence moving amongst us that's what we desire and it's yeah. all we have I'll just, yeah. I'll end with this question on the presence. Moses said the most fascinating statement. He said, if you don't go with us, how are we different than any other nation? What a mind blowing mm, statement that. that somehow he, because they were, of course they were different than other nations. These nations were some of the most uh, 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 unholy, heathenistic nations surrounding them. Child sacrifice, sexual immorality, violence, idolatry, debauchery. This is happening in the nations yeah. around Moses. And Moses goes, God, and Israel had, they had different, they had different standards. 
They had different ways of doing things. They were not like all the other nations. But Moses says, what separates us? We're going to look like mm. everybody else except for this one thing, the presence of God with us. And I think we have to begin to define success as a people of God, as just God with us. That's it. Come on. Man. It's not It's not by so any number anywhere. It's not a number. It's just God with us. And that's what yeah. we're looking for on Sunday. That's what we're looking for when every, it's just God with us. And that's how we define success. So good. And the outflow of that is lives changed. Come on. Revival is him. Yep. I often, uh, I think about Psalms 132. What made David so different is he had a whole nation at his disposal and he makes this vow of, I won't give slumber to my eyelids, rest to my head until I find a place for yes. the Lord. And so yes. I love that you guys are doing that. I so honor you. I am, I'm, I'm shook that um, after, you know, again, growing up in a sense, uh, with how you've impacted my life and my wife and our community. Uh, we can't say thank you enough. So thank you so much for taking the time to be on with us today. And again, when it's not basketball season, you have to come and I'm gonna, on the spot live yeah, in front of the whole world. So, I'm going to have to come out there for sure. I'd yeah, love to. Yeah. You and Corey can come at the same time. We'll all <laughs> Listen, together. I can't preach with Corey. He's too strong. I just have to... I just. <laughs> No, no, Corey's just there for basketball. He's just there for that's basketball. That's right. That's right. That'll work too. Yeah. yeah. That'll work. <laughs> All right, Banning. Thanks, man. Thanks we love you. Me. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. I hope you guys enjoyed this message today. If you are interested in following us or learning about what cities we're going to be in with Habitation, please visit us at habitationministries.org. Thank you so much for joining us today. We pray that God touched your life and drew you closer to Him.